John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So ends the reading of God's word. Imagine having never opened a Bible and you decide that you want to read about the life of Jesus. And so you're told that the Gospels is a good place to begin. So you open up first to the Gospel of, of Matthew, the first there in the New Testament, and you would find that Matthew begins with the genealogy of Jesus. Then you turn to the Gospel of Mark and you would see that that Mark doesn't really talk about the birth narrative about Jesus. He begins with the ministry of John the Baptist. Then you turn to the Gospel of Luke, and he begins with the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary, saying that even as a virgin, she will bear a son. And then you turn to the Gospel of John, and you come across these words. John is very unique in how he begins his account of the life and ministry of Jesus. He doesn't begin with the account about Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the manger. Instead, he wants to stress the identity of Jesus. Just who is this man? He starts off with the words, in the beginning. Those sound familiar? Well, those are the opening words of the Bible itself from the book of Genesis chapter 1. Why does John begin there? Because if we are to understand who Jesus is, we have to go back. Back to Bethlehem, no further. Back to the Old Testament prophecies given by Moses and Isaiah and others, no, back further than that. Back to the Garden of Eden, no further than that. If we want to understand who Jesus is, we have to go back before the beginning, to eternity past. That's when the Son of God was. And John says there never was a time when the Word was not. If you think about this, everything around us, everything you see had a beginning. Uh, the wood in this pulpit, this, this building, there was a time this building did not exist. There was a time you did not exist. You had a beginning point. When you were conceived, there was a beginning point. There, with the Son of God, there was no beginning point. He always existed. Theologians refer to this as his pre-incarnate state, the state he was in before he became a man. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, I came down from heaven. What he meant was that the infinite became finite, the supernatural became historical. John refers to him as the word. If you read any of the gospel of John or studied, you know that that word was a was packed with meaning both for Jewish people and for Greek people in John's day. To the Jews, it was the idea of God communicating, logos being the Greek word for word. And yet, in the Greek mind, it was the philosophical principle that, that was the rational force behind everything, that they could look at, at life and at creation and say, there, there's a rationality to this that did not happen by accident. And whatever that rationality is, that is the logos. John takes that term 
that they would have known well and said, and applies it to Jesus and says, he is the one. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into the being. In verse 2, he says, he was in the beginning with God. The second statement about his divinity is that he was with God. That means the closest possible fellowship existed between the Father and the Son. He is a separate person within the Godhead. We use a word that you don't find in the Bible. You find the concept in the Bible, but not the word. It's the word Trinity. Trinity does not mean that there are three gods or three forms of God or three expressions of God. It means there's one God in three persons. I, I once met a person who said, I don't think God wants us to, uh, to believe anything we cannot understand. <laughs> well, let's start with God himself. How can God be three and one at the same time? And yet he is, according to the scriptures. And so the text says, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He could not have been closer. Where did John... John get these ideas about Jesus? Well, he got them from Jesus himself. He, he had heard Jesus make many of the what we call I am statements. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. Many of those references are references to God and Jesus was applying them to himself. Now, that was a dangerous thing to do in Jesus' day. Blasphemy in Jesus' day was punishable by death. One such blasphemy was to make the claim that you were God. And so when Jesus used the term, I am, like I am the good shepherd, or I am the vine, his, the religious leaders who became his enemies were infuriated by this. And this came to a peak in John chapter 8 where Jesus is referring to Abraham who had lived 2,000 years before. And he said before Abraham was, I am. And in John 8, it says that they at that point picked up stones wanting to kill him. Why? Because when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, he was using the name that God had revealed himself to Moses. When Moses had been told by the Lord to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let his people let my people go said the Lord then Moses said who shall I say is sending me and he says you say I am that I am is sending you and that was a term that Jesus used for himself and then he goes on and he talks about darkness and about light darkness in the Bible refers to evil and judgment that before we know Christ, we are in spiritual darkness. We do not naturally know God. But light scatters darkness. It is the nature of light to scatter darkness. Think for just a moment, especially you young kids. Think what it would take to make this room dark. We'd turn off the lights, we'd, but then we would have to cover up all the windows. We'd have to cover up the doors and underneath the doors. We would have to go to great effort to make this room dark. But the, the least amount of light, just a, a, a candle or a match or, or anything like that would light up the room because light overcomes darkness. It does in the physical world, it does in the spiritual world. Today, people uh, sometimes say, well, that person's seen the light. And it's said in a derogatory term, almost as an, as an insult. 
And yet, in Scripture, that's, that's a good term, that when we come to know Christ, our, we are enlightened as to, to who God is and what his will is. He says the light is shining in the darkness. John says that, that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. How is it shining today? In fact, when he says it shines in the darkness, it's present tense. It's continuous. It's not that it's just something that happened once. It's happening now. Well, in the Old Testament, it shined through the prophecies. It shined through the feast and the sacrifices and these visual aids about what God would do through the coming Messiah. But now we know that the light shines in a special way through God's word. He's given us his special revelation where he's spoken and through his son, Jesus. But then we have a general uh, light shining and through conscience and creation. We see things, we, we look at the creation around us, and though through that we cannot know God, it gives a sense that there is a God. I greatly appreciated Christopher Hitchens. And if, if you were familiar with Christopher Hitchens, who died nine years ago from esophageal cancer, uh, he was a philosopher, he was an author, and he was a hostile critic toward religion in general and Christianity in particular. What I appreciated about Christopher Hitchens is that he understood Christianity. And when he attacked it, he did not create a straw man. And he had no patience for what we would call liberal Christianity, saying that you believe in Christ but don't believe in the Bible. He, just, he had no patience for those that claimed to be Christians that, that didn't believe in the Bible. But uh, even in his uh, vitriolic attacks, and that were often quite funny because they were so sarcastic about religion in general, uh, he said that the thing that caused him as an atheist the most problems was the fine-tuning of the universe. We call this God's cosmic welcome mat, that we look at the planet and you think about gravity and uh, solar energy and temperature and the composition of oxygen and how it's so finely tuned that as you know if it just varied a little bit a little bit too much grab more gravity or a little too less life would not be possible uh, on earth and he saw these things the distance of the earth from the sun and he said as an atheist that caused him problems because it's too obvious there's a rationality behind this and I appreciated his honesty. What is that? That is the light. That is the general revelation of God shining still to us today. It's a cosmic welcome mat. Even, even Stephen Hawking said it would be very difficult to explain why the universe would have begun in just this way except as the act of a God who intended to create beings like us. Jesus was the agent in the making of the world. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. At his birth, Jesus, uh, Joseph and Mary had been created through him. His disciples were created through him. At his arrest and trial, the Sanhedrin and the Roman officials had been created through him. The crowds that called for his death had been created through him. The Roman guards, today... Presidents, world leaders, dictators, media leaders, sports figures, all are created through him and by him. You and I were created through him and by him. It means 
you and I depend on him for everything related to our existence, whether we realize it or not. Last of all, he says he is the life and the light of men. Light was a common symbol in the Old Testament showing God's presence. That light went before God's people in the wilderness at, at night to guide them, but it was also saying, I am present with you. Christ now is present with us. How? Later in this chapter in verse 12, he says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We celebrate this season often with the giving of gifts. And God tells us that eternal life is a free gift that we receive. Have you received it? It's simply as saying, Jesus, I want to get to know you. I want to put my trust in you. And as much as I know how, I ask you to give me life. I accept your gift of forgiveness. And I accept your gift of eternal life. Make me the person you want me to be. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the fact that you have been at work long before our existence and that you are continuing to work and that your light shines through your word and through, through you, the way you revealed yourself through conscience and creation. And we ask that you would accept our praise and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.